Welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Adventist ministry context. In this episode, I interview Dr. Roger Walter. He's the senior pastor of the Adventist Community Church in Vancouver, Washington, and he's also the president of Evangelead, a nonprofit that promotes evangelism leadership in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. In our conversation, Roger talks about the early ministry experience that led him to embrace public evangelism and shares a model for evangelistic success that he calls the Culture of Evangelism Pyramid. We also talk about Evangelid's history and how those training events led to the Propel Conference. And finally, Roger offers some next steps for someone who attended the Propel Conference and is now headed home back into their ministry environment. I think you'll find this conversation inspiring and you'll leave with something practical that you can immediately apply to your ministry. That's our prayer. Before we get to the interview, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Advent Source. No matter what ministries are happening at your church, from evangelism and VBS to Pathfinders and Community Services, Advent Source can help. Advent Source is the official leadership resource center for the Seventh day Adventist Church in North America. They provide materials for evangelism, Sabbath school, community friendly seminars, Pathfinders and Adventure Clubs, and more. I, I want to highlight two resources in particular that are available at Advent Source. The first is a bridge event on creation science created by Dr. Stan Hudson called Origins. And the second is a brand new full message evangelistic series by David Kleindens called Forecasting Hope. My team has worked with a number of churches who have found both of these resources to be particularly effective. You can learn more about Origins and Forecasting Hope, along with all their other incredible resources at adventsource.org. All right, let's get on with this episode of the Propel Podcast. Here now is my conversation with Dr. Roger Walter. Roger, welcome. Thanks, Larry. Great to be here. Roger, you and I were part of the church planting movement back in the late 90s and early 2000s in the Pacific Northwest and, and the Mid-America Union. And in your book, Evangelism Intelligence, you tell the story of bringing tons of people into the orbit of your church plant, but finding little success in helping these people uh, choose to identify as members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Tell us about that experience and what you did about that. I think we started with a church planting concept, thinking that if we just build it, they're going to come. And uh, we soon found out that that wasn't the case. Um, you know, we grew to over 100 almost immediately. But what we found is we were the only church in the area that w was like us. And when people moved away, they couldn't find a church like that. And they would say, well, let's go to a non-Adventist church instead. Mm. And so we just said, there's got to be something different to do. And when we started looking at things, we realized very clearly that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist church was called to preach a particular message. And uh, we just said... Uh, let's bet the farm on reaching lost people with the message that God has called the Adventist church to preach. And let's see what happens. And uh, I mean, our growth exploded, but we also, um, people began identifying as Adventists and we're, it was clearly making a difference in their lives. Tell me about your journey 
um, since that original, you know, that first public evangelistic meeting that you did? Well, we were given uh, a deadline by the Rocky Mountain Conference to uh, get up to speed, whatever speed meant. You know, so many members and so much tithe and all the things that conferences measure uh, a traditional church by. We had three years and they eventually extended it to five years. Um, but to get up to that speed and say, uh, you gotta, you gotta be there, or we're gonna fold you into a district, and you're gonna have two or three churches to pastor now. Right. Like I say, we grew to almost a hundred immediately, um, but then we stopped for two, two and a half years. We stayed right at a hundred people, and I can remember sitting in a living room with my uh, leadership team. And, and I said, you know, we've got to bet the farm. We got $70,000 in the bank. Let's stop spending it on equipment. Let's stop spending it on worship stuff. Let's stop spending it on anything. Let's spend it on reaching lost people. Mm. And, and, and they agreed. We, we got the vision in mind that we were going to do everything we could to reach lost people, to, to win the lost at all costs, so to speak. And we just said, let's do it. That next week, I got a call from an evangelist who said, I'd like to come to your church and do an evangelistic series. His name was Dan Bensiger. And I, I went to my uh, key leaders, three of them, and I said, here's what's going on. And they said, ah, we don't like those five nights a week things. We don't want to do that. And I said, okay, okay. I went back and I was telling my wife about it. And she says, we got to do it. I said, I, I think you're right too. I went back the next week and I said, no, I, don't, I know you don't want to, but we are going to do this. And... We spent everything we had in the bank on that evangelistic series. We joined forces with another church, and we ended up baptizing 50 people. Wow. Yeah, it was great. But 25 of them went to the, the Greeley Church. 25 came to our church, but our attendance went up by 75 people. Um, and we spent $70,000 because primarily because we didn't have a facility that we, that was just mostly facility costs, but, uh, we ended up with like 40 or $50,000 in the bank afterwards. And we're like, I don't understand God's math. It just <laughs> continues to play out really well. And that just launched us into a whole direction that's, that we did not see coming because we were going to be this, uh, hip church. We were going to do all these things creatively. And at some point in time, I said, I don't really care what I want. I want to win lost people. And if this is what's going to win lost people, then let's just do it because I don't really care. Right. Um, I'm not here for me. Right. I'm here to win the lost. And that, for me, that's really the big thing about, you know, public evangelistic meetings in particular. Um, we don't do it because we like it. I, I, I personally... I'm really uncomfortable. I, I I don't find any meaning in sitting through uh, an evangelist talking about you know the the books of Daniel and Revelation. There's there, it, it doesn't have meaning to me. We don't do it for me though. We do it for the people in our community who um, are ready to hear this message, and we do it because it's really effective. Yeah. Well, and in fact, what you find is the average Seventh Day Adventist. Uh, they come into church because of evangelism and they come to Adventism because of that, or their grandparents did or their parents did. But at some level, they, they're done with it. They don't, it doesn't meet their needs anymore. And I used to tell my congregation, I still tell my congregation, it's not targeted at you. Right. It's targeted at the people who don't believe this stuff yet. And the average Adventist doesn't like it. The average non-Adventist is who's looking for a deeper understanding of scripture is eating it up and saying, I've never heard stuff like this in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. In your current church at uh, Adventist uh, Community Church in Vancouver, tell us about your 
kind of evangelistic program? We do, on average, about two evangelistic seminars a year. That's a full-blown, four-week-long seminar. Wow. And we take... Uh, the time to do it right. I, we, we spend the money to make sure that we can get a crowd there. We're spending between thirty-five and fifty thousand dollars uh, a series to do a series. Mm. Um, we, we send out mailers. We do radio advertising. We've done some other forms. We do online advertising, but we do two series a year, um, and it's resulting somewhere between uh, twenty and forty baptisms a year mm. um, that that we're able to do. Um, God has been really good to bless us. We live in a community that is in constant transition. I mean, we're a suburb of Portland, Oregon. So uh, we, people are moving in and moving out constantly and it's growing by leaps and bounds. It's been one of the top growing counties in the nation for decades. And uh, so we just continue to preach and, and we continue to have people show up at our seminar. We just did it just last month. We had a lady show up. She says, I've seen your brochures. I've seen them every time. And I was either sick or I was busy. And this time I said, I have to come. I'm definitely coming. There's no question whether I'm coming. And she's now becoming a member of the church. That's awesome. You know, it's just exciting. It's exciting to see when people make a choice, uh, with that kind of thing. So my church is on fire. They, they'll they ask me, uh, when's the next evangelistic seminar? When's the next seminar? You know, one uh, lady came to me one day and she shared a story. She was at the library and this guy couldn't get something to print. No, she couldn't get something to print. And this guy stopped to help her. And then while she, he was helping her, she ran off to um, the librarian to see if she could get some help. When she got back, he says, she says, I want two copies of this. And he says, could I have a copy too? And he says, that church, that's the one that's always doing the seminars, right? When's the next one? Because I want to come. And so she was able to say, it's in two months. You know, you can come. Nice. And so she invited him and he came and yeah, it was awesome. That's cool. So now, you know, we're talking about public evangelistic meetings, the, the full blown, you know, three, four weeks long, but that's, you know, that's the the end of the process. That's not everything that you're doing. In your book, uh, Evangelism Intelligence, you um, introduce what you call the culture of evangelism pyramid. Uh, walk us through what this model looks like. Yeah, so there's six things in this pyramid that as it builds, uh, I've, I've kind of reverted from, I know in the book I call it a pyramid, to have a picture of it. And, and of course, we've added something to that since then. But uh, I, my wife likes to call it a funnel because we're slowly funneling people in to making a decision for Christ. Hmm. That, and, and I think that's a good picture because what we're really looking at with this is that uh, public evangelism is not about information. It's about getting people to make a decision for Christ. Right. And so that's what we're really building to. And, and so the idea, the first, the first stage of that pyramid is to go out and build friendships in the community. We're teaching our congregation uh, to build friendships, to, to share in their community, to invite their neighbors over for a barbecue, a volleyball night, uh, take them out to eat, you know, go for a walk with them around the neighborhood, just build friendships, loan tools, borrow tools, you know, help them in their yard, that kind of thing. Whatever it might be. If you, if your neighbor likes to go fishing, take up fishing. If you, if you like to fish, it's even better. It's even uh, quicker. Right. And the idea is to build a friendship. Uh, but it, we're talking about a redemptive friendship. And I've got a story here. 
I had a guy in my church in Colorado who got the idea of building friendship and he loved parties. And so he was, he said, I, I got it, Raj. I, I figured it out. I said, what'd you get? He says, last night I took Stacy and Roland out to drink and dance. And it was a Friday night and we had a blast. And I'm like, I, I grabbed him by the throat and I'm like, I think you're missing something by this. You know, I, I don't think you're getting this, Shane. And he says, what do you mean? I said, we're talking about redemptive friendships. We're not talking about going down to their level. <laughs> oh, no. I said, listen, it's recoverable. People, you know, we can fix this. And and ultimately, we, we ended up baptizing uh, Roland and Stacy and, and all three of their kids. And uh, we just, it was a great moment uh, because now he made a mistake, you know, taking about drinking and dancing. But but that's not what we're trying to get but we're trying what we are trying to say build friendships and go make friends in the community and when you go on a hike on sabbath afternoon uh invite your non-adventist neighbors to go with you when you when you go out to eat or you're going to play on a volleyball team yeah uh join your non-adventist to play with you we we had a church softball team in colorado and i said to the people that wanted to start it i said i'll the church will pay the fees for this softball team if you promise me that 60 percent of the team will be non-adventist people mm. And we ended up baptizing several people, uh, three or four or five people, because of that softball team. Mm. So the first step is that the community will say, I have a friend that goes to that church. I, and he's a good guy. You know, maybe the church is okay. The second step of the pyramid is to do kindness projects, service projects, uh, uh, community outreach kind of projects, maybe uh, compassion projects in the community. So you're... You're doing good things outside of the church building, but you're going into the community. You're cleaning up a park. You're painting an old lady's house. You're washing windshields in the Walmart parking lot. You're, uh, you know, handing out nine volt batteries to house to house saying, we want to remind you to change your batteries, you know, and your smoke alarms. You're just doing good things in the community. We had a, mm. a team of people that would go out every Sabbath afternoon and hand out water bottles to the soccer fields. And it had a it had a sticker on the bottle that said, we just wanted to show you God's love in a practical way. And on there was some information about the church mm. with no strings attached, you know, just do kind things. And so the goal is that people say, I got a friend that goes to that church and they're always out serving in the church, in the community. And I, I like what they're doing. They're doing nice things. They're, they're great people. Mm. Um, that takes you to the, the next stage, which is the, the sewing, uh, aspect, which is where we're saying, let's get out literature. You know, we, as Seventh Adventists, we're big on literature. And so we have science magazine, we have books, we have you know, DVDs, you know, whatever it might be. And so we've got science news boxes. We do a mailing in the community about Bible studies. We do a mailing, not a mailing, but an online uh, advertising scheme to get Bible studies going. And it's just the idea that let's get Adventist literature in the hands of the community. Right. So that as you back up now, you say, I got a friend that goes to that church and I have, uh, and they're always out serving in the community. And I've actually read some of their stuff. It's not too bad. I, I, it makes sense to me. That takes you to the fourth step in the pyramid, and that's uh, the bridge events. That's your traditional cooking school, stop smoking clinics. It might be a Dave Ramsey uh, Financial Peace University class. It might be a marriage class. It might be a parenting class. It could be all kinds of things. But the goal is to bring people into the church where they are um, coming to the church for a non-spiritual event. It doesn't mean you can't talk about God. 
um, as at a church, I think you should, but it's not designed to get decisions. It's not designed to get uh, people on their knees accepting Christ. It's simply designed to be good information for the community, but it's on the, the doorstep of the church. So that the goal again would be, you know, I got a friend that goes to that church. Um, they're always doing good stuff in the community. I've read some of their literature and you know what? I, I attended a parenting class there. They were pretty good people. Now, that would then lead them to hopefully say, and now I got this brochure in the mail where they're having a seminar at their church. I'd like to go to this. I know those people. I've been to their church. The church didn't fall down when I walked through the doors of the church. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see what they have to say about the Bible now. You know, I trust these people now. That's the goal of that pyramid. And of course, the last step would be to keep them, um, which there's a whole steam, uh, a whole bunch of stuff about that where we can talk about but we won't take the time for that right now. But we do a lot of things to help keep people in the church, uh, socially and and on Bible topics and all that kind of stuff. Well, um, in some of the research that I've been doing in my PhD program, it, one of the things that has occurred to me is that church is fundamentally a social experience. That you know, yes, there's a vertical component to it. There's theology. There's a relationship with God. But there's also very important horizontal relationship yes. and it's about the relationships with the people around you in church right uh, you know Jesus said um, where two or three are gathered there I am with them he didn't say you know where you are I am with you yeah. which is also true but he was talking about that social component of it and so if we ignore that aspect of that in our evangelistic um, outreach activities, then we're missing a huge component of really the evangelistic process. Uh, so you talk about relationships, building relationships. And one of the things about public evangelistic meetings that I've seen uh, is that you're getting people consistently coming in and it's in the margins of those events right. where the relationships get built before and after. Uh, and, you know, people people see how other people are responding. So there's kind of a social contagion aspect to that. But fundamentally, church is a social experience. And so you need to be doing things where people are actually gathering together um, socially, but also spiritually and and doing that Bible study together. Right. And and we do a couple of things to make that happen. And we ask people to come, we ask the congregation to come to the seminar just for the purpose of getting to know people, sit in the same spot, get to know the people that sit by you, learn their names. We have food at the seminar where we serve people food so they can understand it as well. Right. But what we have found and what the what the what the studies say is that people make decisions at events, i.e., prophecy seminar, where they follow through with those decisions is in a small group of close, trusted friends. Mm. And so, after every seminar, we're trying to start three to five uh, small groups that uh, help people connect and get into a group so that they can say, "I have friends; they'll help me live by this now." That's awesome. And the other thing, as I've been reflecting on this, is uh, what you said, you know, you need your members there because they are kind of the, the, the social nodes that people are connecting to. And so it's important when people come that they're not just hanging out with their friends, that they're actually making themselves available to build new relationships with people in the community that have demonstrated an interest by walking through the doors of a strange church um, and interacting with people that that they may or may not have ever met before. 
Uh, and so being available to them to build those relationships is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, you created a training event called Evangelied, which was uh, specifically to train people in effective evangelistic methods in the Seventh-day Adventist context. Um, tell us about that first event in 2018 and what you were trying to do. Wow, it's hard to believe it's five years ago, right? It's been um, five years. It's crazy. <laughs> the goal of it was to show people that evangelism can still work if it's done properly. Um, my studies have shown that uh, the numbers that were uh, gathered by uh people that we learned from at seminary and other things that we thought were old numbers can still be valid. And in fact, one guy asked me um, after the seminar, uh, he says, I I know Russell Burrell's numbers. I've seen him. I wanted to hear what your numbers are because I want to see something current. I said, my numbers are exactly the same. Mm. The, The retention rates that what it costs to bring people through the doors. What I wanted to show people was Uh, There is a way to do it, and most churches aren't doing it properly. So let's bring in some experts. Let's show them how to do it. It was a free conference. Uh, I think we had... I think we had about 60 people registered the first year. I think we had about 75 registered the second year. Um, uh, the third year, we were just getting it ready to go when COVID hit, and so we didn't have it happen. Yeah. But, but you know, it was a free conference, and it was just getting started. Um, but the goal was uh, to let people interact with other people who wanted to reach lost people and how the best way to do it. We didn't need anything creative. We weren't trying to be cutting edge. People on the cutting edge usually get cut. And so we were trying to say, let's figure out a way to preach the message that Adventists have been called to preach. And um, we can do it in contemporary ways. We can do it in traditional ways. We can do it all kinds of ways. But let's just do what we're called to do. Right. And so it was a vision casting time. And it was uh, trying to teach, give some leadership time and trying to show that, uh, you know, people can learn a lot of things. We brought in some good speakers. We, we had a couple that weren't as good as we would hope, but, you know, you live and learn some of those things. So about six months ago, um, as we're coming out of COVID and, and events are becoming um, more common again, uh, you know, you and I sat down for lunch and we talked about, um, you know, how do we take the Evangelique Conference, this training event, how do we take it to the next level? And I've had this dream for for many years now. Uh, ever since West Point of Evangelism ended in 2009, um, we haven't had anything that's specifically focused on evangelism training on the West Coast until you did evangel- uh, Evangelique in 2018. Uh, and, and I've wanted to, I've just wanted to take it to a new level, which is where we kind of came up with the idea for the Propel Conference. Uh, and, you know, Evangelite is one of the, the lead sponsors of this. Uh, so you're bringing your expertise, your experience here. Uh, you know, Sermon View is bringing um, our marketing expertise. We've been, we've been working on marketing this thing uh, for almost six months at this point. Um, this is being recorded a few weeks uh, before um, the actual event is happening. Uh, you're listening to it after uh, the event. Uh, and so uh, I'd like to say, wasn't that a great event? It was uh, really <laughs> exciting to see you there and uh, how wonderful it was. But w- some of the things that we talked about, um, th- we wanted to make something that's uniquely Adventist. Because mm-hmm. you can go to something like an exponential conference or a catalyst conference, and there's some really interesting things and some value to that. But 
I wanted to create something that had that same kind of energy, that same kind of value where you walk through the doors and it's an experience that you're going to remember. But then we're talking about ministry in the Adventist context. We're talking about something, um, doing things in a way that's uniquely Adventist. Um, and that doesn't mean that there's no drums, right? because you could have a worship band with drums uh, at a prophecy seminar. There's no reason why those are mutually exclusive. Correct. Um, but but it's the mission and the message of the Seventh-day Adventist Church that's so important. So, you know, talking about doing something that's uniquely Adventist, where we're inviting the top thought leaders in the denomination to come together, um, where there's a place, uh, a venue to talk about innovation. Uh, you know, the Propel Conference, we have uh, an evangelistic innovation um, breakout track where we heard, or we're going to be hearing, depending on uh, where you're sitting, uh, from people who are doing some really innovative things in terms of of evangelism. Um, but I wanted to see us do something that's in-person, that's team-oriented. Uh, I just had one of my um, staff members ask me this week, um, are, are we going to be offering a streaming option? And, and my answer to that is no. Hmm. We, we're not offering an online um, way to engage with this because there is something about leaving your ministry space and traveling someplace and going through the doors of a new space where you're interacting with everybody else that is in this new space. Um, that makes it a more powerful experience. It makes it a more memorable, a more um, impactful experience. And we, you know, I don't, I don't care about the information. Right. I care about you leaving this event and going back and making a difference in your community. And I, you know, we just felt like doing it in person was such an important aspect of this thing. So, well, I think there's something to be said, Larry, about rubbing shoulders with other people and going back to the hotel at night and say, Hey, let's get a pizza and kick up our feet together and sit around and talk about this. Yeah. And you know, it's a huge impact because uh, honestly, we all need encouragement because reaching lost people is hard work. Yes. But but I think you're right on. And I and I think what we're talking about is being culturally relevant, but remaining doctrinally pure. Yes. And and I think those are huge issues that we need to confront within Adventism. One of the, one of the dreams I have with Evangelite is to bring a group of people together and say, let's not tell our, our success stories. Let's tell our horror stories with evangelism. Mm. Let's figure out the things. Let's Get a people to get group of people together who believe in public evangelism, but how do we fix it? Right. How do we make it better? Um, I'm not here to argue about whether it works or not. I'm here to argue about making it better and what would work more successfully. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned Evangelide. So tell us about that ministry and where you're headed with that today. Thanks for asking about that. Uh, Evangelide uh, is becoming a continual training uh, and resourcing ministry. Uh, we have, uh, we've already raised uh, over $100,000 to help fund other people to do evangelism. Mm. Um, the idea behind it is that if your conference gives you some and your church will provide some, that Evangelide will throw some money your direction too. That's the goal. But but on top of that, we're going to give coaching, we're going to give resources and training. We'll train churches, we'll train lay people, we'll train... Uh, we, we, I'd love to see us have uh, 
a team of people that are training people to become evangelists. I was just talking to somebody this last week saying, would you be interested in helping me train people? And he says, absolutely. I love that. Mm. And so the idea behind it is we're not going to be really like a school. It's more going to be like a coaching process. We're not training people to do literature evangelism. Those are good things. We're not training people to do Bible work. Those are good things. Also, we're going to train people to uh, do the one thing in Adventism that is designed to get decisions for the gospel. Mm. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it well, and we're going to teach people how to do it. And so Evangelite is becoming a, uh, we're in the process of filing for our 501c3 with the federal government. Uh, we are recognized in the state of Washington as a nonprofit already. Um, we have our board meeting is coming up. So it's pretty fresh, pretty new. It's getting re- kind of uh, rejuvenation. Our website is evangelite.org. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we've got some resources up there already, but it's simple, it's small, but it's, it's, uh, it's growing. And the other thing that you and I talked about with Evangelide um, is there has been a gap in um, really academic scholarship related to Adventist evangelism for the last 40 years. In the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, um, there was a burst of academic scholarship where like really um, academically rigorous studies were being done, and um, it was impacting the effectiveness of uh, Adventist evangelism. But by the late 80s, there was no research being done at that level uh, and hasn't been. And as I've been going through my own you know, doctoral program, I'm interested in seeing more academically rigorous studies about, you know, what is it about Adventist evangelism that works and, and how can we make tweaks that make it more relevant? You know, just really getting into the, the scholarship. And how do we separate the superstition of what works from what really works by measurements? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and beyond that, how do we help uh, our members? Actually, I just want to see our members be willing to give it a shot again. Yeah. Uh, because... There's so many people that just out of hand say, you know, well, public evangelism doesn't work. I okay, I got to tell you this story. Uh, I was backpacking with a guy, um, uh, twenty years older than me, uh, a couple of summers ago, and uh, he he sat with me on Sabbath afternoon, and he's like, Larry, I have a question. You know, you're you have a front seat in Adventist evangelism today, you know, and, and he's like, back in the old days, we used to like send out brochures and invite people to the church. And, uh, you know, that's how we did evangelism uh, and invite people to make decisions. Uh, and, and that's how people became members of the church. But, you know, obviously that doesn't work anymore. Uh, and so what are people doing today? And I was like, well, they send mailings out into the community, invite people to come to church. Uh, and, it, it, you know, we ask them to, to make decisions for Christ. And he's like, wait, that still works? I'm like, yeah, it still works. He's like, I wondered about that because I've been working with these two people and I haven't figured out how to help them make decisions to identify as Seventh-day Adventists. They're there, but they're, I'm like, well, you need to bring them to an evangelistic meeting because it still works, you know? Right, uh, right. So... There's just this this belief that, well, obviously it doesn't work anymore. Uh, so I just want to see people give it a chance. Yeah, I sat across the table. I was in uh, in another state at my father-in-law's. He, he'd become a pastor in his 
last 10 years of work time. And he asked me to get up front and talk about my church plant, what we were doing in Colorado. And, and I, at lunch, we were sitting across the table and this guy sits down from me and he says, we started our church the same as your time as your church. Your church has grown to 250 people and my church is struggling at 30 or 40 people. And we sat and talked a little bit. He says, what can I do to make mine grow like yours? And I said, have you tried public evangelism? Oh, that doesn't work. He says, we tried it. I said, can I ask you one question? He says, sure. I said, how much did you spend on that evangelistic series? And he says, well, we spent about $3,000. I said, now I know now why it didn't work. He says, what do you mean? I said, you got to spend twenty dollars to $30,000 to get a crowd. And I said, but dollar for dollar, it's the most cost-effective thing I've ever seen work. Mm. Um, I've seen other things do some working, but, but dollar for dollar, it's the cheapest form of reaching lost people. And, and he was like, ah, I don't believe you. And I'm like, why would you sit down in front of somebody who you say is an expert <laughs> and then not listen to him? Why would you argue with him? It doesn't make sense to me. Right. I, I don't claim to be an expert, but I do know, I do have the numbers. I do keep an Excel spreadsheet and I can tell you what it costs to bring a person through the door of the church for opening night. I can tell you what it costs to get a baptism and it's way cheaper than the baptisms are across the NAD because they're running about $10,000 a baptism and I'm running about 1500 to 2000 per baptism. Okay, so the people who are listening to this podcast for the first time have just attended the Propel Conference uh, in early May 2023, and they're they're feeling inspired to reach their communities for Christ. They're headed home now, and while they're driving, they're listening to this podcast. So, tell 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 us how would you take this back home to your church and rally the members uh, for a complete cycle of, of evangelism? What do you think the next steps should be for people who came to the Propel Conference? Well, I mean, it's probably a little different if you're a pastor or a layperson attending, but I think you go home and you begin to pray that God would send you a partner or three or four mm. to begin making a difference in the, in the church, and you begin to cast a vision for reaching lost people. And then you, I would start by building that culture of evangelism that, that I write about in my book, Evangelism Intelligence, because it, it's, it's the idea of slowly building towards the place where all of a sudden you get to the place where you, you're looking for people to make decisions. It's not immediately go and get a, a, an evangelistic series going and you're going to have 20 or 30 baptisms out of it. Right. you got to build this, the core to that. you got to build the core of the membership to it right. so that they get it. Because a lot of churches are really good about having friendship. They're really good about doing good things in the community and compassion ministries and that kind of thing. They're really good about doing some bridge events and that kind of thing. But then they just recycle it and just keep doing it. And they never call people to a decision. Right. And and what I would want to see is is if you leave in the if you're leaving the Propel Conference, that you would say, How do I take it to the next step where we can get people to actually decide to become Seventh day Adventist Christians and active participating members of the church? So I, I would just start with a few friends and begin to make friendships in the community. I, if I was a pastor, I would stand up and begin casting vision, and I would preach for a month on friendship evangelism, and I would tell story after story after story of friendship evangelism. And then I'd go say, let's, you know, I, one time we handed out uh, $100 bills to people, and we said, um, go turn this into some kind of an outreach. 
and come back in six weeks and tell us what happened. Mm. And we had all kinds of stories where people came back with, uh, I, here's what I spent my hundred dollars on. And here's what, you know, people, most of it was friendship kind of stuff. One guy started a softball, uh, weekend where everybody, uh, joined forces and they were able to pray with people. And they were, I mean, it was just an incredible thing. Just go spend a hundred bucks, you know, and, and start something. But it was just, I would begin to cast vision as, as a pastor, I would lead my church through preaching, through board meetings, through staff meetings. If you got a staff, I would begin to just cast that vision everywhere I turned around that we're here to reach lost people and start with a friendship, go to the kindness and go to the bridge events and, and tell this is why we're doing it. We're not just doing cooking schools. So our members become better at making tofu, right? You know, we're having a cooking school so that we can bring lost people into the church and hear something positive And so that they'll be open to coming to our evangelistic seminar. Awesome. Thank you, Roger. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, uh, you know, this is the first episode of, of the Propel podcast. And so I want to talk about the podcast for just a moment. Our goal with this podcast is to take the content from the Propel conference and deliver it in this audio format. We recorded each of the main sessions as well as each of the breakout sessions. And we're going to be releasing new episodes of the podcast every week or two throughout the next year with these presentations. You know, I, I think about the old um, Hot Wheels cars, you know, with those orange car tracks. Uh, and you just attended the Propel Conference, which shot you forward with some momentum. So take the inspiration that you feel and do something with it. But when you get back to your church, it's going to get easy to get sucked back into the daily grind of, of ministry. Um, that inspiration will fade and you'll lose that evangelistic momentum. And we want this podcast to be something that pushes you forward like that that motorized booster on a Hot Wheels tracks uh, and, and listen to each episode as it comes out and it'll help push that momentum forward. Um, we really want this entire system, the Propel Conference and the Propel Podcast to do just that, to propel your evangelism effectiveness forward. So I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified each time a new episode comes out. And whether or not you attended the conference, whether or not you already heard that episode's presentation already, listening to it while you're back in your own ministry space can be so powerful. And then every week or two when a new episode comes out, it'll be an opportunity to propel your evangelism momentum forward just a little bit. So that's why we're doing this podcast. That's right. So you can take the Propel Conference home with you. Roger, as as we wrap up here, um, just share a word of encouragement uh, with our listeners. Yeah, I think lost people matter to God mm. and they should matter to us because of that. And so as for me and my family, I've determined that I want to win the lost at all costs. That means I'm not going to sacrifice doctrinal integrity, but I am going to maybe sacrifice my pet way of doing ministry. Mm. I may sacrifice the, that I'm going to have to work hard. Um, I'm going to pray like mad. Um, I'll do my part and passionately seek the lost to help them become fully devoted followers of Christ. I want to encourage everybody that's listening to just take that kind of a pledge to win the loss at all costs because they matter to God. Hey, Roger, will you pray for us? Absolutely. Father God, thank you for bringing us together uh, over this podcast and for uh, the way you lead and guide. I pray, Lord, you would light a fire in us that spreads to the communities around us and you would light a fire that spreads the name of Jesus Christ farther and farther mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate it. I really appreciate your, your wisdom and uh, your time to be able to share this. You bet. 
Now, one of the things that we did at the Propel Conference was the practice of reflection. Don't just take in this fire hose of information. Stop for a moment and think about how this could be applied to your ministry. At the Propel Conference, we even offered some reflection questions for you to consider. So right now, I'd like you to pause and reflect on what you heard in this podcast. What was the big idea for you? Do you sense God prompting you to take a a next step based on what you heard today? So when the podcast finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or 10 minutes and just let your mind wander. This reflection time can be really powerful. And while you're reflecting, if there's an action item you feel God prompting you to take next, make a note of that. If you're driving, record a voice memo or or use the hands-free system to send yourself a text or set a reminder. Don't let this moment pass without making a record of your next step and then make a decision to do it. This is literally an opportunity for you to take a step forward in your faith and in your discipleship. So my question for you is, will you do it? Will you take that next step? All right, that's it for this episode. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and is produced by the crew at Sermonview Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of the Propel Podcast. Mm